lead with your brand is real. I'm not saying I'm JP Morgan 100% of the time, but I am Chris Mosiah 100% of the time. And Chris Mosiah is a brand. It is a brand. My name is a brand and I treat it like such. I'm mindful of everything that I do because my name is attached. There is a responsibility that I carry with the brand that I have. Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there, and plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for folks just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Well, it is June, and in celebration of LGBTQ plus Pride Month, we are proud to bring you the voices of amazing executives, leaders, and influencers, all who identify as members of the LGBTQ plus community in our Lead With Your Brand Pride on Brand collection. So each week in June, we'll feature a brand new guest. Plus, you can hear the full collection, including my conversations with folks like West Hollywood Mayor Seppi Shine, actor and activist Wilson Cruz, and the founder and CEO of Hustle Up, H. Schuster. So visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com slash pride. This week, I am proud to welcome Chris Mosiah, the Executive Director of Consumer and Community Banking at J.P. Morgan Chase. But before we get to Chris, let's talk a little bit about your brand, more specifically, your brand filter. Your brand filter is the way that you design and execute and package everything that you do. It is about making consciously competent choices to ensure that you show up on brand and the work that you create shows up on brand. Now, this last weekend, I was able to kick off Pride at one of my favorite events. It's called The Evening Among Roses at the Huntington Library, Art Museum, and Botanical Gardens in San Marino. Now, there are tons of Pride events that we're all going to. In fact, in the past few days, I've been to multiple Pride events every single day. In fact, I've been to so many Pride events over the years that almost all of them start to become undistinguishable from one another. But the Huntington Evening Among the Roses stands out not only because it is unique, but because it is uniquely the Huntington. 
Now, for those of you who are not familiar with the Huntington, it sits on a 160-acre, gigantic San Marino ranch that was once owned by railroad and real estate businessman Henry Edwards Huntington, who was famous for connecting and extending the electric railway system here in Southern California that we all know as those cool red cars and wish they were still here. Right now, he and his wife, Arabella, amassed this extensive library, art, and botanical collections. And after their death, their trust transformed their private estate into a public institution, making their collections available to, as their trust said, to promote the public welfare. Now, you're probably thinking, well, this seems pretty highbrow and pretty old school, right? Well, let me tell you this. Back in 2014, I was approached and asked to be on the host committee for an inaugural LGBTQ plus pride event at the Huntington. Well, of course I said yes, because I practically grew up and went to school around the corner from the Huntington. And of course, I needed to be a good Pasadena boy because my mom still lives in the region. But in the back of my mind, I thought to myself, can the Huntington really pull this off? Is this really on brand for the Huntington? I mean, can an academic research and art institution really throw a pride party that people are going to want to go to? Can the place that houses a Gutenberg Bible and Chaucer's Canterbury Tales and preserves California native succulents really do rainbows? I mean, could the place that showcases French sculpture and tapestries alongside the original designs for Milton's Paradise Lost feel gay or queer at all? Well, let me tell you, for the past 10 years, they have been doing it spectacularly because they apply the same brand filter for their Pride event as they do for not only every event, but every installation, and quite frankly, everything they do at their institution. So let me tell you about this event. This one-night-only garden party doesn't throw rainbows all over things. No, instead, they feature their event among the iconic rainbow colors of their historic Rose Garden, which was in full bloom last week underneath the California sunset. Now, at this fanciful garden party, they encourage people to wear fanciful garden party outfits. So, of course, I was decked out in my 70s floral print blazer from Mr. Turk, and I literally found myself in a sea of colorful outfits, floral headdresses, and guess what? If it wasn't floral enough, they actually had a group of people hand-making corsages and boutonnieres in bold colors and designs that would actually match your outfit. And then you could mosey on to their historic tea room terrace, which was recently redone, where they were serving tea service food like cucumber sandwiches and beautiful pastries while there was an Italian fountain restored bubbling over as cocktails and beverages were served. 
Now, of course, it's a literary institution. So they had a group called the Pride Poets writing poems. So I literally talked to this fabulous poet. Her name was Carla. She had a quick conversation and asked me about myself. Of course, I told her that I felt fabulous. And she wrote me a poem about fabulousness. And it was uniquely called Jason. And she typed it on an old fashioned writer's typewriter. Now, each year, the cool thing here is that they also showcase their LGBTQ plus staff members that talk about significant parts of the Huntington collections and work that feature LGBTQ artists or have a special connection to the LGBTQ plus community. In fact, in the past, they've even let us wander through the galleries and take pictures with iconic pieces of art like Blue Boy and Pinky. And for these reasons, this is an event that I look forward to every single year because it is so unique and it is at the perfect intersection of pride and the Huntington Libraries and Gardens. So I know what you're thinking. Jason, thanks for all of the party planning tips. I'll incorporate that into my next year's pride, right? But what I really want you to take away is what are the unique filters and design elements that go into your work regardless of what it is, that makes things, makes your outputs signature projects for you. Now, let's be real. We all have some projects that we love to work on, and then there's others that just become assigned as part of our job. But the challenge that I have for you is to take your unique brand and put your thumbprints all over your projects and assignments. How can you take that next quarterly meeting that you got assigned to manage and make it uniquely you where everybody remembers that meeting and not only remembers it, remembers that it came from you? How can you make those client thank yous that we have to do if you're in the external client business have thank yous that feel uniquely you so that your clients not only always remember you, but they remember the interaction? Better yet, as a leader, how can you lead your team of direct reports in a way that they see you as a unique leader, a unique leader that they want to keep working for? and that they are willing to refer others to come and work for you. That is what we call leading with your brand. Well, we have an amazing guest on the show today. It is Chris Mosiah, the Executive Director for Consumer and Community Banking at J.P. Morgan Chase. Now, based in New York City, Chris is an area product manager for a design system within the Consumer and Community Banking Department. They are also the co-chair of the firm-wide Gender Expansive Council, as well as a co-lead for the Transgender, Gender non Conforming and non-binary subcommittee of J.P. Morgan's Pride Tri-State Business Resource Group. Now, Chris has been with J.P. Morgan for over five years and been a member of the Pride leadership team for over four. Chris also serves on the Transgender, Non-Binary, and Intersex Subcommittee of Open Finance, a forum that unites LGBTQ plus leaders of major financial services organizations across the New York metro area. 
Now, prior to coming to J.P. Morgan, Chris was enlisted in the U.S. Navy as an electronic technician and has been in the technology field for over 20 years. We'll be back in just a few minutes with Chris Mosiah. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. And we are back. We have a fabulous guest joining us today. It is Chris Mosiah, the Executive Director of Consumer and Community Banking at J.P. Morgan Chase. Chris, what is going on? Hello, 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 Jason. How are you? Everything is great. I'm loving life. How have you been? I am spectacular and happy LGBTQ plus Pride Month. Yes, same to you, same to you and everyone else out there. Let's 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 keep the rainbows going all month. Exactly. How about all year? <laughs> I, that's that's the goal. That's the goal. <laughs> now, Chris, let's jump in because I know when we're talking about careers and we're talking about personal brands, we always kind of talk about the elevator pitch. So talk to me. I know that on behalf of the bank, you are out talking to people all of the time in the community. How is it that you introduce yourself and who you are and what it is that you do? Yeah. You know, when I introduce myself, um, I'm a person of many hats. Let's just say that. Mm. So there's quite a, it's I've quite a, quite an introductory, you know, I always started off by saying, my name is Chris Mosiah. My pronouns are they, them. That's the very first thing that I start, I lead with. Um, I want to normalize, um, uh, pronoun usage as much as possible. And I think that when I start off the conversation with that, it's easier for people to then introduce themselves with this in the same manner. Yeah. And Chris, let me ask you about the about pronouns really quick, right? Yeah, because I've yeah. heard people say things to me like, well, I, I don't use different pronouns, so it doesn't matter if I share mine or not. So what what would you say to someone that kind of says that? Yeah, I, I'm I'm very adamant in saying, um, I don't care if they're different or not. You have them, use them. Like mm. your name, right? It's the same thing as your name. And it's not for anyone to say, well, it's not different from, you know, ones that I use or pronouns that, that I wouldn't, that people would assume for me, you know, assume my pronouns would be. Um, it is the, first of all, it's just respectful. Yeah. Um, it, it also like, I don't have to guess. What if I don't assume that those mm. are the pronouns you would use? Yeah. Right. Um, and so I don't have to guess. And also just because I use pronouns that a lot of people don't use, doesn't mean that um, that that's just for me to use. That's just like, oh, that's a me thing. That's like Chris uses they them pronouns. Of course, Chris has to ex- ex- you know introduce themselves with their pronouns. No, I'm doing that so that we can make a habit of it. The same way as there's a habit of my name, right? Yeah. You can't assume my name, so don't assume my pronouns. And it's just Ooh. and it's just respectful to bounce that back and forth. Yeah. And sorry, I, 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 I interrupted. So explain the rest yeah. of your, your great introduction to folks. Yeah. So I tell people that, you know, what do I do? I'm an executive, executive director in JP Morgan. Um, I work in the consumer and community bank. Um, 
I am an area product owner for a design system. So I'm in the digital space. Um, and what that looks like is I, I say the bells and whistles in your mobile app and in your web app, um, my team helps create those, right? So the buttons, the menus, the navigation bars, all of those things, all of those components, um, we create the standard for a design system. Uh, outside of my day job, I am the co-chair of the Gender Expansive Council. And what that is, is an organization that um, supports and advocates for trans and gender expansive employees, but also family members that are employees and not a part of the community, but maybe have family members that are a part of the community. And they want resources. They want to learn more. They want to be better allies, better advocates. Um, and so that's kind of what I lead with because that's who I am. And yeah. then I say a little bit of other things that I do, like, oh, I also am a part of open finance. You know, I'm a part of pride, uh, part of global technologies, LGBTQ community, so many other, so many other like, <laughs> you know, wonderful parts of, 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 of the pride community. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I say. Yeah. And it sounds like there's so many exciting things happening. So tell me what's exciting happening over at uh, JP Morgan Chase. I know there's huge stuff happening for Pride Month. I'm sure there's huge things that are happening uh, with the Gender Expansive Council. What, what's hot and new? Yeah, you know, um, a big thing is, so we've created pins. That's a huge thing. We also have changed our uh, flag so that it includes the um, the trans colors as well as um, the black and brown colors, right? Yeah. And so we make sure that our pins have that. And I, I specifically, I went to um, um, an outright, um, outright international gala last year and they had pins with your pronouns. And I stole like 50, I didn't really steal them, but I, <laughs> I, de I definitely put a lot in my pocket. It was hilarious. I was just like, you best can I have a couple them. more? <laughs> I really did. I was like, can I have a couple more? They were like, sure. And I just like reached in and, you know, put them in my pocket. And I went back over to um, Brad and who is the global head of the LGBTQ plus affairs in JP Morgan. And I said, we need these. <laughs> and, um, he said, oh, I like these. And I said, I'm, I'm going to wear one every day because I don't have to say my pronouns all the time, mm. even if people know them and they forget it's right here on, on my, on my, um, on my jacket. And so this year we got pins that have pronouns on the bottom and the pronoun and the pins themselves are the colors that of our new flag that we have for pride. Oh, awesome. And so one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show is it's really all about having great role models, right? And so now you work at one of the, the world's largest banks, but talk to me a little bit about your career journey, because I was surprised that you actually started in the military. You're a veteran and thank you for your service. But talk to me a little bit about that. I joined the military when I was 17. Um, can wow. you believe that? I was a, I was a baby. My mother had to sign <laughs> me away. What? I was like, yeah, she had to sign me away because um, I couldn't sign for myself. Mm. So I wasn't 18 yet. And so she had to say as a, as my guardian um, and my parent that she was okay with me going into the Navy. Yeah. I turned 18 in boot camp. And it's, it's interesting because I was in during don't ask, don't tell. So I came in in 1999. Um, and as we all know, don't ask, don't tell was repealed in 2011. Yeah. So my entire time in the service was during don't ask, don't tell. 
Um, and I had to swear in, it's funny because like a part of my swear was to say that I would not engage in homosexual activity. It was so important. Wow. It came after, um, it came after me swearing that I would defend, um, the, the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That's how important it was. Oh my like, gosh. Right after that. Um, I know it's, it's times change, but yeah, sometimes right. like, not, don't, not, not, don't be a spy not, and don't be I, gay. Yeah. It was like, it was like, really, that's important. Okay. Um, and so, uh, during that time, you know, I, I did serve during two operations, Operation Iraqi Freedom and Operation Enduring Freedom, um, which were the two, uh, wars that were started right after 9-11. Specifically, I left eight days after. Um, and, you know, that started off my, my tech career, right? So I was in electronics for a, a gun system and, um, I did that for six years. And then um, I became an electronic technician for an HVAC company called Johnson Controls. I did that for a few years. And then I went back to school because I really started to think of myself as, do I, I, I remember standing on a ladder in, in the middle of the ceiling programming. And I said, do I want to be on a ladder or do I want to be in a chair Ooh. when I'm 40? Right, when I'm 40. Um, and I, so I said, let me go back to school and get my degrees, multiple. Uh, I, I got my master's and my bachelor's in, in computer science. Wow. And I became a developer. And when I graduated for my bachelor's, I immediately got a job at JP Morgan. So that's how it led me into JP Morgan. And, and just for the record, I'm 41 and I'm sitting in a chair. <laughs> I'm loving that, right? And a, a spectacular chair, we might add. Um, yes, thank so, you. <laughs> so Chris, talk to me. It has to be scary to say like, ooh, after I've been working, after I've had service, I'm going to like go back to school. What was what was that moment that you had that realization mm. about like, I want to I'm going to do a different type of investment. I'm going to take a risk because I don't want to be on this ladder. Mm, there's another gotcha, another aha moment where um, just like kind of that that being on the ladder. So when I was working for that same company in, in, in John's controls, my manager, we won't say his name, uh, <laughs> brought me, brought me into the office and he said, um, he looked me in the face. I'll never forget this ever. Sometimes people say things and it's the fire under you. Mm. He said, you'll never make more than 80,000 a year. And I said, why would you say that? And he said, because you don't have a degree. Mm. And at the time I was making 45. Yeah. Right. I was making 45,000 a year. I was living in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, there's, there's a lot there, right? Cause <laughs> as we know what's happening at the moment. So, um, and, and he had just found out that, that I was queer. I'd come out, um, probably about a year earlier. So, mm. um, being in the company, I, I wasn't out when I first got there. And so I came out during the time of me being at that company. And I think, it might have been some homophobia in him to say something like that to me, almost in a very jabbing way. And I remember having this moment of saying, I, I'm going to show him different. Mm. And I, right, it was, it's almost, it's funny how the universe works and how things kind of have like this domino effect. Um, that's when Obama announced that the GI Bill 
was going to change and be modified. And I had already had the GI Bill, but now I could go to school and it they pay for me to go to school, but then they also pay me to mm. go to school. Yeah. So it was like a job. And I was like, I'm I'm leaving this job and I'm going to school. <laughs> and I went to school. And then it was funny because I'm originally from the tri-state area. And so I said, I could make more in back home in New York than down here in Jacksonville. And so I left and I came mm. back up home. Um, I got a place in the city and I went to school. And I was like, I'm going to do computer science because that's kind of around about what I was doing. I mean, I was programming low level, but I was also wiring um, as electronic engineers do. And, um, and I got my degree and it took me four and a half years. I got my degree in computer science. Six months later, I was working at JP Morgan and um, my starting pay, by the way, was a hundred thousand. So. So there you go, old manager. That's right. That was another gimme gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) And so we know that JP Morgan is such a a great organization. Talk to me a little bit about some of the career breakthrough moments that you've had at, at the firm that led you to becoming an executive director. Yeah. Um, I had some, you know, when you're leading to, when you're leading in, in on your journey to becoming where you want to go. And, and for many people, that's a form of greatness, right? Yeah. You have to have some failures. I like mm. to call them lessons more. So yeah. I always say, I always say failure is a grade you get in school. Um, any, anything that doesn't work out, that's, that's a lesson. Mm. And, uh, and I had a few of those and, and, and they shaped me into really wanting to know where I'm going to go in my career. And then, and I, I say this, when you know who you are, you're, you're unstoppable. Well, excuse me, when you know who you are, you're unintimidating, mm. intimidatable, excuse me, you're unintimidatable. No one can intimidate you when you know who you are. There's just a sense of, I don't really care what people think about me. I know who I am inside. I know who's looking back at me in the mirror. So what people think of me and other, any, anything outside of uh, what I think of myself is null and void. Um, and so once I figured that out, I had to know where I was going. Yeah. And when you know where you're going, you're unstoppable. You have to think about that um, in a concept. If you're in one side of the room and you know you have to get to the other side of the room, Nothing is going to stop you from getting there. I don't care if I throw a chair in front of you, you'll move the chair out of the way. If I throw a table in front of you, you'll go around the table, right? If I throw a wall in front of you, you're going to find another exit to then exit out and come back in so that you can touch the other side of that wall. Because in your mind, I have to get there and touch the other side of the wall. That's how life is. If you know where you're going, then nothing will stop you from getting there. Mm. Um, And so, but, but I didn't have that at first. Yeah. Right. Um, I didn't know who I was and therefore I didn't know where I was going. And I started at JP Morgan with neither of those understandings of myself. Mm. Um, I just knew I was queer. I knew I was mass presenting. Um, I hadn't come out as non-binary. So there, there was that, right. Didn't really know what fit for me. Mm. Um, and I paid attention to the chitter, the, the little chitter chatters about me and it hindered me 
Mm. I, it was loud in the room for me. Yeah. Um, and so I couldn't think. I couldn't think. I couldn't do my job. Um, I was in my head a lot. And as a programmer, as a developer, you have to be in the zone. You have to be able to think. You have to be able to write yeah. code. So you have to think like I couldn't even write code well because mm. I'm I'm not in a space to be able to to create that code. Um, and I started to get involved with J.P. Morgan's Pride. Um, I just needed some form of community, yeah. and I did. I got that community. And I started to lead certain initiatives. I led uh, Jersey City Pride because that's where I was working at the time. I um, I put on a panel that um, talked about gender identity and gender expression because I knew people were looking at me. I wear menswear. I wear men's suits, right? And so people yeah. were staring at me. And so I decided to educate them. And so I I, I created a panel within Jersey City. Um, actually, it was for all of Tri-State to come to. Um, and it was called Gender Identity, Gender Expression. I wanted to educate people about the um, importance of allowing people to show up and present how they present. As long as it's professional, it shouldn't matter. Yeah. Um, and it was received. But what was it more important was I got the confidence to really advocate for myself. Yeah. You, you can't really advocate for anyone else until you can advocate for you. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, I can do this. And I can do this for me at the moment. And 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 then also I can do this um for others. Mm. So I felt I felt strong enough to do that. Yeah. Like I did, there started to become a fire of, I'm not going to let anyone, and I'm not going to let anyone bring anyone else down either for being themselves. Yeah. Um, and then right at that moment, and I'll tell you where my aha moment came in for finding myself. It was in the middle of the pandemic. So I was sitting at home at my desk. I was working, but I just kind of decided to take a break and think to myself. And I was just like, you know who you are. Mm. You know who you are better than anyone else does. Why do you second guess what other people think about you? Mm. In my head, I was just like, you got to stop doing that. Yeah. Um, and, and the, the important thing is, it's like, not only do I know who I am and what, the, what does that entail, right? Like, what does it mean when you say, you know, who you are? And, and it's funny, I was having this conversation with Brad recently. I said, um, it's not about your characteristics, right? Like, am I kind? Am I a good person? Am I stubborn? Am I, those are characteristics. That's not who you are. Those are, those are characteristics of you. Yeah. Who you who you are are your what are your boundaries? Ooh. What is your threshold? Mm. Right? How much can you take? How much can I take before I decide I'm going to get up and walk out of the room? Yeah. Right? That's how I know who I am. I know what I can take. I know my boundaries. I know 
um, how I treat people. I know what I want back in return, what I will and won't tolerate. That's when I say, I know who I am. Yeah. Right. I know what I give to the world and I know what I will, will take back in return. Yeah. And the minute I got grounded in that, and I say grounded because that is exactly what it is. No one could shake me. Yeah. I could walk in a room and I don't care if there's people in the room that don't like me. I'm going to smile and mingle with everyone else who does. Yeah. Right. And I have that confidence. And because of that, I can read the room and be able to tell who to stay away from. Because, <laughs> because now I've got that internal grounding. Yeah. It gives me that radar, that flashing radar. Yeah. Um, and then, and then the minute I found that out, I started to hone in on my career. Where do you want to go, Chris? Where do you see yourself? At the time I was an associate. Yeah. Before the pandemic ended, I was an associate. By 2021, I was a VP. Yeah. That's one year later. I became a VP because I honed in on my career. Yeah. Um, I said, I'm going to be, and this is me. I'm going to be C-suite, but I'm going to take my time getting to each step first in, in order to get there. Right. And so I said, I'm going to be a VP. And I went and had the conversation with my manager. Right. I, I figured out how to have the conversation professionally. Yeah. I had the conversation. I told him I was serious about my career and I wanted him to be serious about my career too. Cause I don't want to work for someone who's not as serious about my career as I am. Yeah. Or someone who doesn't see my value. Yeah. And I, when I had the talk, he saw my value. He put me up for nomination. I was nominated and I was promoted. Two years later, I said the same thing, right? <laughs> I'm going to be, I'm going to be an executive director. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it's going to take for me to get there, but I'm going to get there. And I did. And so I'm saying three years later, I'm going to be a managing director. Yeah. I'm calling my own path and I'm doing it. Um, I'm doing it in a way that is intentional. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Chris, so many people tell me they are just fearful of having that conversation with their manager, basically saying like, this is where I want to go. So like, yeah. what advice would you have for someone that's like prepping to have one of those conversations? I mean, of course it's like mid-year connection time is around the corner for most people in, in corporations. What would you recommend to someone who's wants to have that conversation with their manager? Yeah, this is, so um, I, I have these talks with all of my mentees all the time and they do, they have, they are scared to have the conversation. I always say this, um, your manager doesn't know you're serious unless you tell them, Ooh. right? Yeah, because they, they have other people that they're managing. They've got outcomes that they've got and results that they have to deliver. The last thing that they're usually concentrating on, unless, you've got a, unless you're fortunate enough to have a very empathetic leader, is where, does my people want, where do my people want to go? Yeah. Um, and so you have to have the conversation to say, um, I would like to be blah, blah, blah. What does that look like for me through you? Um, what do I need to do? And they know you're serious, not just by the conversation, but every time you walk in that, into those one-on-one -on -one meetings, you walk in with a piece of paper or a notebook and you write the date, you write the time, and you write the person you met with. 
And then you take down the notes of everything that that person said that you need to do to get there. I say to do that is one, they see that you're serious because you're writing it down. Two, they know you won't forget. And three, now you can't move any goalposts. (laughs) Right. It's all about building in the accountability. Right. That's right. And that's where you start the conversation. Um, and, and, and as you continue that conversation, I always, I always tell my, my managers, um, when I end our one-on-ones, don't end with an attaboy. Don't tell me, tell me I'm doing a great job in the beginning. If you want, if that's what you want to tell me, if you want to share appreciation with me, please do that in the beginning. In the end, tell me what I need to work on. Ooh. Yeah. Because you, as my manager, should be helping me get better. Mm. Right? So tell me what I need to work on. What is it that you see I could do better? Yeah. And then I'll go work on it. And then I'll bring that back to you in my next few one-on-ones to tell you that I'm working on that. Right? Yeah. Um, these are the conversations that you have, at least to start with, um, when you're telling your manager uh, that you're, you want to go to that next level. And also be mindful of saying, I'm serious about my career. I would appreciate it if you are as well. And so I want to have these conversations with you because as my manager, you're supposed to be that part for me. Yeah. And Chris, I love that it's really about you taking the the steering wheel, right? Like you've got to drive your own career. And I love this whole notion, like you just can't expect your manager to have like a crystal ball and know you actually have to articulate it, right? You can't just hope that they're going to guess through all of their noise about what it is that, that you want to do and where you need support. Um, now, Now, Chris, you talked a little bit about, you know, failures, but really more moments where you had some lessons. What were one or two of those lessons that you learned along the way? Yeah, um, huge lesson. Um, My insecurities would one day become my superpower. Ooh, say more about that. Yeah, as I told you, I was in my head a lot, listening to all the chatter. And I remember saying to myself, Am I too black to be here? Mm. Um, Do I not have like the right hairstyle, right? Because I have locks. Um, Am I too queer? Is this non-binary thing too much for them? Mm. Right? Am I too much? Um, All of those things I was insecure about. Um, I, I remember looking at myself in the mirror in Jersey City and just saying, I don't think I belong here. Wow. And um, that was a defining moment for me, but that was a huge mistake for me because everything that I just mentioned is everything that makes me great. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I I had to realize that was a lesson for me. Yeah. Is one day everything that I am insecure about is everything I'm going to lead with when I enter a room. Absolutely. Yeah, that was a big one for me. And another one was, um, and as we were talking about this, lead with your brand is real. I'm not saying I'm JP Morgan 100% of the time, but I am Chris Mosiah 100% of the time. And Chris Mosiah is a brand. It is yes. a brand. My name is a brand. 
and I treat it like such. I'm mindful of everything that I do because my name is attached. There is a responsibility that I carry with the brand that I have. Yeah. Right? And that is my name. So those are lessons I learned. And amazing lessons. So Chris, let's talk a little bit about brand Chris Mosiah. Give me three words that you would use or maybe other people would use to describe Chris Mosiah. Yeah. Um, authentic. Um, I have heard well-spoken or m- melodic. Someone told me that the other day. You Ooh, speak melodic. and it's like, it's like melodic. And I was like, wow. Um, fancy. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, uh, kind. A lot. I hear that a lot. So authentic, melodic, and kind. And, and when we say the word authentic, a lot of people throw that around, right? Especially in our space. It's yeah. like, bring your best authentic self to work. Who are you authentically? Or what does showing up authentically look like for you, Chris? Mm, I don't have to hide any parts of me. Ah. I don't, I, I'm, I'm probably an open book. I'd like to say I'm an open book. I don't have very many secrets. Um, I talk about my past. I'm not, there isn't something I don't want people to know. Mm. Yeah. And, and when I walk in a room, I own the good parts about me and maybe the parts that I'm still working on. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm on this earth as a work in progress, Yeah, but I'm also on this earth to serve and to do good work. And um, with that, comes the knowledge for me to say, um, as long as I maintain being me, I can't lose. Yeah. Yeah. And now Chris, talk to me about kind, because I mean, we've known each other for several years and I would always say that you're, you're kind and you're warm. And, and that that's one of the things that, uh, I have gravitated towards you for, but talk to me about sort of that tightrope walk. You talked a little bit about knowing your boundaries and being authentic, right? Like you don't hide who you are, what your experiences are. And sometimes that's uncomfortable for people. How do you balance like being kind and being authentic and uncompromising about who you are. So my, my grandmother, she had a way, she was the kindest person um, I'd ever met. Still maybe. Um, I get my kindness from her and my mother, mm. which is her daughter. Um, it comes naturally because that's how we are to each other as a family. Mm. Um, but we know how to be stern and like not letting people disrespect us. So if I have to be stern in my words in a way of even cutting someone down to say, you know, you won't treat me like that. I can say it in a very kind way. Mm. Right. I know how to say things in a way of saying what you won't do is disrespect me mm. and still give them the kindness and the respect that I would want from them. Yeah. Like you can, you ask for respect in a respectful way, right? Yeah. 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 And, and that comes easy for me to do. Mm. It's very natural for me to, um, speak to someone and I, sometimes even, so I have a therapist, right? Cause I was, I was in during the war and it's funny. It's, there's a way I, when we're, we're talking and 
sometimes I'll say something and I'll say, well, you know, and I'm doing this and he'll go, it's like you answer everything in a business way (laughs) because I'm very (laughs) mindful of the words that I say. (laughs) Right? He's like, "We're we're having a session. You don't have to be business, but I do. I come off very business in every way that I do things. Um, down to my personal life. Yeah. 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 And so talk to me a little bit about how you've evolved your brand, especially as you've moved into the executive ranks. And I I kind of want to probe a little bit because I know for so many amazing military veterans, there's also this like challenge from like growing up in in the service and then like having to learn all of these corporate rules as well. So what are some things you've done to kind of like evolve or hone your brand as you've moved up the executive and leadership ranks? Yeah. um, For me, the the military and corporate are very similar. Mm. Um, And that's for me though. Maybe other people are different, but for me, it's very similar because of the hierarchy. Um, And so I've evolved my brand each step of the way by realizing and recognizing the responsibilities that I have at each, each level that I get to. Yeah. Um, and that responsibility grows and with growing responsibility, um, you know, they always say what's the, the saying, um, you know, heavy is the head that wears the crown. Right. Yeah. Um, with great, what's the other one with, with great, um, with great power comes great responsibility. Yes. I think as someone once said, and it's true, right? So for every level that you achieve in your career, as you, as you are developing your brand, but also as you are developing your career, there's added responsibility, right? Mm. Um, and, and, and that you get, the broader your brand becomes, the more valuable your brand becomes, the more responsibilities you have with that. Um, and there's, there's a responsibility for myself, for other black folks that are trying to come into this world, into this executive ship, other queer folks, other gender expansive people. Um, so I have a responsibility from numerous angles to, um, really set the tone for someone to see me and see themselves mm. where I am. Right. Yeah. Um, and that responsibility becomes great. The higher you get, look at Obama, right? He got to be president. And now that he was president, there were other young black individuals that said I could be president too, but yeah. that came with a lot of responsibility for him. Absolutely. And I'm sure it was very and heavy the whole on family. Him and his family. I was just saying that, yeah, him and his family, that was heavy on them. And, but that was the responsibility that they took on knowing that they were going to get to that level. And so, yeah, that's, that's how I deal with that is just recognizing and realizing that each time I get to a new level, I'm going to have a lot more responsibility. Yes. Now, Chris, I want to go back a little bit. Talk to me when you were a little kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, wow. You know, it's funny. I, I wanted to be like Jackie Joyner Kersey. I was really great at running. And I was, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to be like Jackie Joyner Kersey. And then it was at the same time, it was like, I'm going to be the next Michael Jordan. 
um, because, you know, at that time I thought I was going to be, you know, I was a young kid. I was identifying as a little girl. And I was like, I'm going to be the first girl in the NBA because there was no WNBA. Mm. Um, and I was as athletic, um, really great at basketball, really great at running, really great at long jump and um, held a few records in, in, in some of the schools I was in. And uh, that's what I thought I was going to do with my life. And, you know, I always say this. I never saw myself join being in corporate because I had never met someone black and in corporate Wow! at a young age. So I joined the military because my father, my stepfather was in the military. He was in the Navy and he was successful to me. So that was what I thought success was. How had I have seen someone, right? This is where representation and visibility is important. Had I have seen someone like myself in corporate, I would have wanted to do this a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. But now yeah. you're paving that way for tons of folks. That's the responsibility that I have. Now, Chris, I have a couple of fun questions to close us out. We've been talking all about your brand, but what is your favorite brand as a consumer? What's something you can't live without or something you are obsessed with? Honey, I, I'm looking around this desk. There's so many Apple products. I can't even. <laughs> <laughs> you have your own Apple store there? It's just like, I. it's Apple everything. I have the Apple chargers with all the little bells and whistles. Um, I, you know, I, I, the iPods, I just MacBook, <laughs> iPads, iPhones. I can't, I'm just, a, I'm a walking eye. I, <laughs> I, Chris. I, Chris. Yes. That is my, that's my favorite brand. Um, and really the only brand I, I actually, everything else is like, eh, you know, I have, I like polo. I, I should say polo is another one. It's a big brand for me. I love polo. Um, and why do you love and, and, polo? Oh, I don't know. I think that that just goes back from like when I was younger. So I always had to have the polo shirts and the polo jackets. I wear polo sneakers with my with, when I if I wear sneakers with my suit, they're polo sneakers. The white, <laughs> the nice all white polo sneakers. Oh, I love polo. I have polo underwear, like polo. <laughs> And polo. When you've got the polo underwear that people aren't seeing, then you know you are obsessed with polo. I have, I have polo socks. I'm polo. <laughs> I, Chris, am polo. Ah, I love that. Now, if Chris Mosiah was a type of car, what type of car would you be? I'm a Tesla, the one I drive. Mm, and why are you like a Tesla? I'm a Tesla because... So my Tesla is minimal, mm. no maintenance to it, right? Mm. You don't have to take it in and get an oil change. All you have to do is change, change the, add the windshield wiper fluid. That's it. And, ch- and charge it. That's it. There's no, there's, I don't have a bunch of different screens everywhere. I have the one screen. It's got everything there I need. It's minimal for me. I know people they hear Tesla and they're like, oh, it drives itself. Um, yeah, it's another thing. I'm I'm on autopilot a lot, right? Um, but I'm I'm I look like I'm expensive, but I'm actually low maintenance, and that's Ooh. a Tesla. Yeah. And finally, Chris, I know you've shared so much great advice, but what's the best advice that you'd like to leave with our listeners? Mm. Take yourself 
seriously. And I know people say, don't take yourself so seriously, but you should. Mm. Because if you don't, who else will? Yes. And when I say take yourself serious, that that is intentional, all things that you would do for others. Do it for yourself first. Love yourself first. Treat yourself first. Um, take time for yourself first. Give yourself self-care. Take yourself seriously because you are the only one who can give your body and your soul what it needs. No one else can. And you are that determines how long you are here on this earth mm. amongst other things in the world. But that is what really determines your health comes from how you treat yourself. So take yourself seriously. Ooh, I love that. Well, Chris, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for taking yourself seriously so that you could be in service to all of us and the community. It's been great talking. It's been great talking to you, my dear. And anytime, thank you for having me. Of course, and happy LGBTQ plus Pride Month. Yes, same to you. <laughs> and we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. What an amazing conversation with Chris Mosaya. Their energy is something that I just feed off, and they had so many great tidbits and things to think about. But what really stood out to me was Chris's story about getting comfortable with their self. You know, sometimes we are the ones that are getting in our own way of our next career breakthrough. You see, your brand needs to be uniquely you. And while, of course, our brand is in service of others, it just can't be something that is inauthentic or copied from someone else. You have got to become comfortable with you and bringing the best you with turned up volume to the table every single day. You know, I think RuPaul says it best, if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? Well, that's our show for today. If you loved what you heard, make sure that you are following us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll bring you a brand new show every single week. And because it's LGBTQ plus Pride Month, visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com slash pride to hear the full Pride on Brand collection. Check me out on social media. I'm at Jason Patria on all platforms. And send me a direct message on LinkedIn if you have a question or a topic you'd like to hear on the show. Most importantly, remember, in your career, don't be that boring old commodity like coffee. Make sure you are a super premium and unique brand like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. 
Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.